Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we've been studying the global flood account of Genesis for many weeks now. Mm-hmm. We've come to Genesis 7:11, and you said this verse is the key statement in the flood account for understanding the dynamics of the flood itself. That's correct, Scott. We've referred to this verse several times already in previous programs discussing the Genesis flood account. And now we'll consider what it says and what it means in detail. What has happened in the days leading up to what takes place in verse 11 is, God has told Noah in seven days he's going to send the flood. So Noah needed to get everything and everyone on the ark. Verse 10 then introduces what is about to happen. Read Genesis 7.10, Scott. And it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. The water of the flood came upon the earth. (laughs) Now, if that's all the revelation God had given us about the dynamics of the flood, we would have very little information concerning the source of water or how it affected the earth. But it is apparent that the Creator wanted us to know more about how He flooded the earth and what the results were. Because from Genesis 7, verse 11, to Genesis 8, verse 19, God's Word records numerous details related to the cause and effects of the deluge of water. From Genesis 7, 11 to Genesis 8, 19, that's 33 verses. <laughs> Good math. Now, yeah, well, Genesis chapter 1, the entire six-day creation account is only 31 verses. Apparently, as you said, the Lord really wanted us to understand the dynamics of the flood. Why do you think that is? Well, I can only speculate, but I think in part it was to unambiguously reveal that it was indeed a global flood and that he did carry out the judgment on mankind that he declared he would in Genesis chapter 6. That is, he would blot out all flesh on the earth. Now let's read Genesis seven eleven the key verse describing the means by which God flooded the world. Quote, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Unquote. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but notice the description of how the earth was flooded begins with the exact day it began. Scott, you recited the exact day in a previous program. What was it again? Well, it was given with respect to Noah's age. It was on the day he was 600 years, two months, and 17 days old. And I think it's important to acknowledge this. The fact that God revealed the precise day the flood began demonstrates the factual nature of what is being recorded. And it seems to me that it also indicates Noah was the one recording these events. You know, when something extremely dramatic happens in our lives, we tend to remember the day, the date, right? Exactly, like a wedding anniversary or the birth of a child. Or in this case, it's more like... Where were you when Kennedy was shot, or when the 9-11 attacks occurred? Or when the first space shuttle blew up? Uh, Yeah. Events that are, in essence, recorded in our minds forever. And assuming Noah was recording these events, it means the eyewitness, the person experiencing these things, was the one writing these details down. And they've been preserved by the providence of God, carefully, completely, and accurately, for thousands of years. So, being given the date 
the flood hit. Notice what the first source of water was. It was not rain. Yeah, it says the fountains of the great deep burst open. That's obviously water from underground, like springs or geysers. Precisely. The first source of water came up from the ground. And since it says it was from the great deep, we should understand it was a huge source of water. Was that the same deep mentioned in Genesis 1-2? Well, what does it say? And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So, there at the very beginning of creation, the deep is present. And we know it's some kind of body of water. Now, at that point in creation, God has not yet separated the water into the waters above and below the expanse. The Creator did that on the second day of creation. But the creation model I hold to assumes the source of the waters that were divided above and below the expanse was from the deep. Therefore, it makes sense that if there were huge stores of underground water, after the Lord forms the land on day three, that underground water might be called the great deep. And if that water was under great pressure, breaking open the crust of the earth would release fountains of water, geysers, as you mentioned, Scott. Imagine if under the entire mass of earth, all over the earth, Suddenly, the ground rumbles, perhaps earthquakes throughout the earth, and geysers start shooting massive amounts of water high into the sky. A source of water like that most likely would contribute a greater volume of water than the most prolific rainstorms we are used to on earth today. But of course, it did also begin to rain. And Genesis 7:11 describes the rain as the floodgates of the sky being opened. Dr. Scripture, it's interesting that the New American Standard Bible translates the word floodgates. The King James Version translates it windows. Both have the idea of an opening, but windows seems to draw a better picture. Why do you say that, Scott? Well, floodgates are normally on land holding back a large volume of water in a river or lake. But windows of heaven gives the imagery of letting the rain in from the sky. Well, that's a good point. But either translation... I think the point of the word is the water that began to fall from the sky had been held back somehow, and now it was being released. I wonder if finding that word in another verse will give us more information about just what it means. Well, there is a place in Isaiah 24. Isaiah is describing the future judgment to come on earth, a judgment that has not even happened yet, but one many of us believers sense is coming very soon. So let's read Isaiah chapter 24, verses 17 through 19. Terror and pit and snare confront you, O inhabitant of the earth. Then it will be that he who flees the report of disaster will fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit will be caught in the snare. For the windows above are opened, and the foundations of the earth shake. The earth is broken asunder. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. So notice the New American Standard Bible, which we just read in Isaiah, translates the word that we're talking about as windows in this text. So obviously the translators think the words are interchangeable. But what I especially find fascinating about this passage in Isaiah 24 is how similar it sounds to what happens in Genesis 7:11. There are earthquakes and apparently a large amount of rain. Could it be? 
this description in Isaiah is an allusion to what happened during the flood? Well, one thing that is different in Genesis is when God opens the floodgates or windows of heaven, the water falls from the sky for 40 days and 40 nights. Non-stop rain for well over a month. Now, we know this because back in verse 4 of chapter 7, the Lord told Noah that's how long it would rain. Read what the Lord told Noah again, Scott. Genesis 7, 4. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And to confirm that was exactly what happened, the eyewitness, Noah, records in Genesis 7:12, and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, Dr. Scripture, we can only imagine the amount of water that fell from the sky over a 40-day span. Mm-hmm. But I had a question about the verse you read in Isaiah that talked about the earth breaking apart. Isaiah 24, 19 said, The earth is broken asunder. The earth is split through. The earth is shaken violently. Mm. And you mentioned that perhaps the Isaiah passage was alluding to what happened at the flood. It sounds like this is a description of large masses of land splitting open as a result of earthquakes. Could that not have also been what happened to cause the fountains of the great deep to burst open? Scott, that is exactly what the hydroplate model of creation proposes. The idea is there was a huge landmass sitting on top of the massive reservoirs of water in the great deep. And when God caused the flood, it began with earthquakes splitting the land and releasing the underground water, which was under great pressure. In addition to that, then, the landmass was split apart. And when the deluge was all over, more than a year later, the land was now divided into essentially the continents we have today. You know, Scott, I just got a letter from a listener who was asking about that very thing. Maybe we should read it. I'd be glad to. Okay, go ahead. This letter is from Grace Anderson in Covington, Georgia. Hi, Dr. Scripture. I listen to your radio program every Friday with my mom on our commute to work, and I have listened to your podcasts. My mom and I both love history and science, but most importantly, we love God and His Word. Good. (laughs) I have a question for you. Is there any reference or biblical evidence of the continental shifts in the Bible? Could the shift really be a result of the flood? It seems to me the world was one landmass in the majority of the Bible. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Again, I love your program, and I appreciate the scientific and biblical viewpoint. Well, Dr. Scripture, you pretty much answered Grace's question in what you just talked about. Uh, Yeah, and I want to thank her for her letter. I would make one comment on something she said, however. She said it seemed to her that the world was one landmass in the majority of the Bible. I think we should understand that if the world did consist of one great landmass or continent— Which is referred to as Pangea, right? Correct. Pangea. Pan means all and Gaia means earth. So the word is referring to the idea that all the earth was one landmass. And if Pangea did exist, that was the form of the earth after day three, when the Creator caused the land to appear up out of what was an ocean planet. But then the hydroplate model of creation proposes that Pangea broke apart as a result of what is described in Genesis 7:11. Now, the flood was very early in the biblical record, 
And from that point on in the history of the earth and mankind, the world would have consisted of the many continents we have today. So the biblical record doesn't indicate the earth was one great landmass at any point after the flood, which is, of course, most of the Bible. Well, Dr. Scripture, our time is just about up, and today we have discussed one whole verse. (laughs) Well, Scott, we didn't even cover everything there is to consider in that one verse. So almost one whole verse. (laughs) Right. Uh, Grace asked about biblical evidence, and we just talked about a creation model, so we'll get to that. But as I have said, Genesis 7-11 is the key verse in the Genesis flood account to understand the dynamics of the global flood. It tells us the source of the water was from underground and the atmosphere. It indicates massive amounts of water came upon the earth. And given the detail that the precise day the flood began, it is presented as historical fact, like a newspaper or encyclopedia would report an event. And although it's the next verse, Genesis 7-12 confirms that what God said was going to happen, happened exactly as he had warned. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened and the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.